Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. now. Straight up to a claw. On this Wednesday afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show. Here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, my name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hello, Gambo. Burnsy, what's going on? Teddy Dillingham is what's going on. The head coach of ASU joining us in studio at 2.15. We get him all the way up until 3 o'clock. Time to really break down some ASU football. So I'm, I'm looking forward to having the coach in. In studio, we'll talk about how uh, the portals go in. We'll talk about uh, put, rounding out his coaching staff, his first head coaching job, and then just, you know, what the future is for ASU. So really looking forward to having him in studio. Yeah, very much so. Uh, looking forward to having him in today. That's starting at uh, 2.15. And then, of course, we'll never stray too far from the big stories of the day. Major League Baseball free agency got real, real hot Ooh, today. man. With Aaron Judge getting a lot of money from the New York Yankees. Somebody offered him more, right? Was it the Padres? Padres offered him more, more money. I don't know where the hell the Padres are getting all that money from. They got like a new owner. He's like oh, super no, but, rich. But they, the San Diego Padres were on the verge of becoming the first team with three players over $300 million. Yeah. Like, I get the Yankees doing that. I get the, the Red Sox doing that. The Padres? Yeah. The Padres can play in that sandbox? They got a new owner and he wants to win and so. he's got a lot of money. And so that's why. Yep. Because they're not like that, you know, market wise, they're very similar to. Uh, to to hear like they don't they don't get much more television revenue. I don't think they do get more television revenue than the D backs. No. Plus we have Kyler Murray responding to Patrick Peterson today. Yeah. Uh, fight, but, fight, uh, fight. I'll meet you on the hill after school. Let's go. So we used to do at Curry Elementary. We've told the story many times. Curry, you told me you had you had two fights. Two fight. Yeah, two fights. Same guy, right? Curry Elementary. No, uh, no, it's a different guy. Different, different guy. Person. Yeah. Um, one one lost one. The hill outside of Curry Elementary. Uh, that's where you want you want when you want to fight somebody. I don't yeah, know if that's. Still we had the, hand, we had the handball courts. <laughs> Teachers used to come and watch. I'm sure they did. They did. That was the difference. Mr. Rob, Mr. Growing. Ryan, they'd be like, oh, they didn't go home after school was over. They were going to go watch the fight. Growing up in Brooklyn versus growing up in Tempe. Yeah. The teachers came out to break it up in Tempe. They the didn't teachers, come out to fights watch. after school today? Yeah. Handball court. <laughs> Three o'clock. Perfect. I'll be there. None of this, though. Our, wives, I'll be home a little late today. None Why? of this is our top story of the day. Here is our top story of the day. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. I feel pretty good. Um, you know, I'm going to see how I feel after this. You know what I mean? And go from there. Suns fans, that is the unmistakable voice of one Chris Paul. The f- report first came out from Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports and TNT. Suns star Chris Paul, barring a setback, intends to make his return tonight against the Boston Celtics after being sidelined for a month with a heel injury. And Chris Paul, after practice today, said, yeah, feels good. Ready to go. Let's go. Let's give it a shot. And let's find out. See what Chris Paul's yeah. got. So Paul makes his return. It's been a month. I mean, it's been a month. And when he was playing, he wasn't playing very well. So what we're looking for in this matchup tonight against the Celtics after Chris missed a month due to that heel injury is we're looking to see if Chris can get back to playing the type of basketball that we are familiar with from his first two years in Phoenix. He's 37 years old. He's a future Hall of Famer. But man, he was really struggling this year. 9.5 points, 9.4 assists, shooting just 36.8% from the field, not shooting it very well from three. So 
So we'll see what his presence does in the lineup for the Phoenix Suns tonight. Still without Cam Johnson, still without Torrey Craig, but getting Chris Paul back at least. Listen, we talked about this after the Dallas game. Man, you got to start getting some guys back. Yeah. They're out. Yeah, that was something campaign had said too, man. It's like it's getting it's getting about time we start getting some of these guys back. Chris Paul today, this is after practice on what he's seen from the team while he's been gone. Competing competition. You know, we out, Cam Johnson's out, uh T Craig missed a few games and you know, I think when you're on a team like ours, you you think big picture. You know, guys go out there and battle next man up and Nice to be on a team like that. I think you're right. All right. I, I think when watching tonight, okay, and we were going to watch anyway because it's the Boston Celtics. They're the number one team in the East. Suns are the number one team in the West. Boston's got the best team, best record in the NBA, right? But we're watching tonight, and it's okay. Chris Paul's back, and that's great. That's something mm-hmm. to be celebrated. He was playing so poorly before he went out. He was so inconsistent. He was so hit or miss. What version? I know this is going to sound greedy to some. What version of Chris Paul is back tonight, right? Like, well, like, remember, they weren't having him take the ball up the court as much. That's why there was a little bit of struggles with DA early in the season, not be, not having that pick and roll with Chris. You know, Chris wasn't handling the ball. And he has a guy that's used to handling it. But for whatever reasons, and maybe part of that reason is just we want to make sure that other guys can do this just in case Chris doesn't, you know, get shut down in the playoffs the way he did at times last year. So um, I do think his role changed a little bit. And we'll talk to James Jones about that. 3.30, James Jones, general manager of your Phoenix Suns, will be on the show. So, you know, Chris's role was definitely changing this year. It was evolving, and he wasn't handling the ball as much. Just still handling it, but not, you know, 95% of the time like he always did. So we'll see if they, you know, when he comes back, if they, they go back to that or if they try to stick with what they had where he is off the ball quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, there's normal rust, and you would expect normal rust from any player who misses a whole month. When Cam Johnson comes back, we expect rust. We expect it to take him a while. And it's not fair to hold Chris Paul to any different kind of a standard than that. He's missed a month of basketball. He's going to be rusty. He's going to be a little off. But our, you know, our relationship status with Chris Paul was complicated to begin with when it came to the start of the season, right? With the way last year ended, with the way this season began, we were having a very complicated relationship with Chris Paul in terms of what he was doing and what he was going to bring. And starting tonight, we, you know, like the conversation we had a couple days ago, and one I think that's going to stick with me for a while, is... Does Chris Paul make himself through his actions on the court expendable this year, like a player you could trade? We start to get the answer to that question tonight. It's going to be a long answer. We've got months and months to figure that out, but we start to get little snippets of that answer. You know, what we had was we had 14 games without Chris Paul. They went nine and five. That's pretty good. That was the fourth best in the NBA over that stretch, I think. Nine and five without Chris Paul. What you've got is you got a 37-year-old player who started to fade last year in the playoffs, right after he turned 37, who's got a $30 million contract on the books for next year, but only half of it's guaranteed. Only $15 million of it's guaranteed. If he plays well, it makes it a very easy decision. You bring Chris Paul back for one more year, you try to win a championship if you don't get it this year. If he doesn't play well, now you've got a tough decision to make if you're James Jones. You can get out out of that contract, pay him $15 million to go away and free up $15 million Good. to use somewhere else. So I think that this is very much, look, what we learned is that the Suns can play without Chris Paul. They can be successful without Chris Paul. Um, now we've got to find out if Chris Paul can help elevate this team to a different level and help them win a championship. And I think what Chris does you know, down the stretch here will very much determine, I, like I would say right now that it's not a no-brainer that they bring Chris back. Yeah. I don't think it's the absolutely we're bringing him back no matter what. I think 
think you want to play this out and see how he does. Well, those are issues for another day. Right now, it's just good to have him back, and now we're all curious to see what version. He mentioned how beneficial it was for guys to get more run without it's him. It's very beneficial. You've seen it from other teams all over the league. From the years, they're gone. You know, guys get a chance to get their confidence. Uh, not the campaign needs confidence, but even playing great. Uh, it's Wayne Wright been in there playing well, and we, we just always had that culture in that team. Here's the stat that I pulled from a story today on Bright Side of the Sun from Dave King, mm-hmm. and it's impressive. Phoenix Suns, since they acquired Chris Paul back at the start of the 2020-2021 season, nobody's got a better record against teams that are 500 or better than the Suns. Nobody. Suns are 64-27. and 27. The next best team are the Jazz at 57-41. and 41. The Mavs are on that list. The Celtics are on that list. The Bucks are on that list. But the Suns, the only team in the 60s with the wins, and only three other teams are in the 50s. But if you take Chris Paul out of that equation when they're playing 500 or better teams, that's where you start to see the real difference. Last year, the Suns went 11-4 and without Chris Paul, but they were only 3-3 three and three against teams that were 500 or better. This year, you mentioned 9-5 and five without Paul in 14 yes. games. Only 3-3 three and three against teams that are 500 or better without him. When he, and out of those 14 games, they played 6 against 500 or better and went 3-3? Three and three? Yes. I think it just goes to show something that I, you know, that I, I truly believe this. They need Chris Paul if they're going to win a championship. The way the team's constructed, they win a lot of games in a regular season. They're really good. I don't know if they're going through the gauntlet that you need to go through if Chris Paul doesn't play at a high level. So if you're asking me now on December 7th, I think they need Chris Paul. Like, I'm not rooting against them. Like, oh, yeah, get rid of him after this year. Say, no, I, like, I hope he plays well because I truly believe that they need Chris Paul at an elite level to win a championship. You're going up against Tatum and Brown and Smart tonight. Like, I love Devin Booker, but get him more help. Mikael Bridges and DeAndre Ayton. Chris Paul, to me, has to play at a high level for this team to win a championship. If he doesn't, like we saw last year, they're not going to win. Boy, they are going up against a really good basketball Man, team tonight. A, yeah. yeah, really good basketball yeah. team. Jason Tatum, 31 the other night. Jalen Brown playing at an extremely high level right now. Now, Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart, his leadership. Malcolm Brogdon has been a tremendous addition to them. Hugh, they've been... Blake Griffin. Well, Blake Griffin off the bench has been... He doesn't play a ton when he does. He's been very impactful. I mean, Starts they, when Horford doesn't start because they don't like playing Horford on back-to-backs. Yeah. So he's ha- he's got some starts under his belt, but mainly off the bench, but just a good player for them. Huge, huge, huge challenge tonight for the Suns. You'll hear that game. 8 o'clock tip time right here on Arizona Sports 98.7 or the Arizona Sports app. Now, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we've got in studio joining us the new head coach of ASU football, Kenny Dillingham. Looking forward to this conversation. We've had it on the schedule for a He's while. The, huh? No, no, I'm good. I was talking to somebody else. Oh, okay. That's next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. So about a week, week and a half ago, Gambo reached out to our friends over at, over at uh, Arizona State and said, man, we'd love to have the new coach in studio. And Gambo started working him, it. And then he said, we worked it out from there. Well, I, I want to make yeah. it sound like you went through official oh, okay, channels. Yeah, okay. you know, I, come on, Gambo. I'm trying to... We went through the official channels. we, we got to keep Jeremy employed over here, yeah. right? I mean, come on, for goodness sake. So we went through the official channels and got Kenny Dillingham to join us in studio for 
for the rest of this 2 o'clock hour and joining us here in our auction community studios, the head coach of Arizona State University football, Kenny Dillingham, here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We met before the show, but I'm Dave. This is Gambo. Coach, thank you for stopping by. You know, we appreciate it. I appreciate it. I grew up watching or listening to this show, and uh, it's just an honor to be on here, honor to be in studio. Well, excited. Let's talk about this journey, this path to get here. At what point in your career did you realize, hey, I want to be a head coach in college football someday? I think when I when I made the transition from high school to college, I really made the transition that, okay, I'm going to do this. I want to be a head coach. And I always knew I wanted to be the head coach at Arizona State. And is, is that just because of growing up here and the ties here? What, like, what do you remember about Arizona State football from when you were a kid? I remember Jake Plummer, Pat Tome, and I remember g- going to games and being in the parking lot and the tailgating that would happen, all the motorhomes that would park out by the baseball field right in that area, and people would just have gigantic tailgates. And I remember the good times, and it brought people together. I mean, at the end of the day, sports is popular because it's a competitive, competitive environment that brings people together for a common cause. And that's something that's special and college football is special because it's true kids true emotion that goes into it fans they're rowdy it's college and it's just a special special thing going to a competitive college football game yeah i don't want to make this about your age because so much has been made about your age but i'm just curious how old were you for the jake Plummer, pat tillman if, if that's 96 if that's, if that's your first like 96? real true okay this is in my blood kind of thing how old were you for that era i was six going on 37. <laughs> okay. So so spe- do you have a specific first memory of being in like a game cuz I cuz I'll tell you right now just I've been doing this so Gambo a long time. Covering that Rose Bowl team to this day is still the most fun I've ever had covering any team ever here in the Valley. That includes like the 2001 World Series, the Cardinals, the Super Bowl. I remember that season very, very well. Do you have a unique, specific memory that's like your first of Sun Devil football? Not necessarily specific. I remember just... Like I said, I remember family. I remember friends. I remember it being the thing to do. I remember it like the outlaws were there at the time. For That's a throwback to some Arizona people that have been here for a while. It was Sun Devil football and outlaw football. And you would go to Sun Devil games on Saturday night. That's that's what I remember. I just remember the, the tailgating, the fun. That's what you looked forward to throughout the week was, was Sun Devil football. But nothing's truly specific. You had a job to do at Oregon this year. This job has been open for a while, had been open for a while. When did you know? When did you when did you start to think, okay, it's open? They might want me. There might be, you know, wh- when did it all kind of start to formulate together in your mind, Kenny? Well, I mean, it wasn't just, you know, when the job opened. You know, I've always had, in my mind, it's always been people only want you if you're having success, right? So what can I do right now to be as successful as physically possible so when the opportunity comes, right, I'll be ready. So I wouldn't say it was like, oh, you know, a change happened, let me try harder, or oh, let me do anything. It was no, it was keep doing what you're doing, stay focused, keep doing what you're doing, stay focused. So for me, it's just, you know, our program is going to be about life, it's going to be about little things, intensity, it's going to be about family, it's going to be about education, we're going to be lifers, we're going to learn how to respond to adversity, the good and the bad, and the last thing is we're going to define success a certain way, it's being the very best you can be at whatever you're doing, right, and that's how I've lived my my life, that's how I've been born and raised, is whatever you're doing, 
pour your heart and soul to it. Be the very best you can be. So I wouldn't say long-winded way to answer your question. There was a specific, my attitude changed. It was the same since I started coaching, since I've done anything in my life. It's just be successful. What can I do to help others? What can I do to be successful? Because I truly believe the best way to succeed yourself is to help the people around you. Because if you elevate them, you elevate yourself. Yeah, because you got into coaching at a very young age. 17. You're 17 years old like you because you got hurt in high school, right? Correct. You got hurt, and right away from that point forward, it's like, I'm going to be a coach. 100%. You always have somebody. We all have somebody, some mentor or somebody. What did Mike Norvell mean to you? Oh, I mean, he was the heart and soul schematically. He was the one who gave me a chance in college. He was the one who said, hey, come and sit in my meeting room as much as you want, and I'd just go and sit there. So, I mean, that's a mentor to me. That's a dear friend. Uh, I, I couldn't think of enough. You were a defensive player, though, right? I was. I was a linebacker, a really mm. crappy one. And then, and, <laughs> and then you end up you end up being an offensive guru. How's that happen? I don't know about guru. I mean, I just I learned football from a defensive perspective. So when we coach quarterbacks, you know, we're teaching what a defense does. And we're, we're almost trying to figure out what's wrong with the picture. I tell them it all the time. And this look, the defense of the linebacker should be here. If they're not here, what's wrong with the picture? Once you know something's wrong, why is it wrong? Now you can figure out what the problem is and what the pressure is. So I just look at the game from a defensive perspective. At what point, at what stop in your life did you realize, you know what, I can be a head coach in college football at a high level? I mean, I believe when I became the offensive coordinator uh, at Chaparral High School and I got 21 years old, I was leading a group of young men and it was like man I'm 21 and I have to lead and I think that was the first time I said man I can, I can do this because kids responded and I felt like I related and I felt like I could connect and I felt like I could lead people and at the end of the day that's all it's about is leading people it's the I think it's the number one thing is to be a leader of men you have to be a leader you have to hold yourself accountable high standards but you have to be a leader because kids will follow you have to, you know, you have to have that leadership. So you think right away at Chaparral High School, you, you figured out, hey, I could do this? 100%. Incredible. That's can, a, can, yeah, it's pretty To be impressive. that young, 17 years old, and have this path to go down. Because, you know, you, you think, okay, you're young, but, man, you, you have vast amount of experiences at big-time stops. Yeah, that's what happens when you're unathletic. You know what I mean? You just start your coaching career faster. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was, uh, I didn't have to start it at 35. Uh, no doubt. I didn't have to start it, you know, post-NFL career. I got to start it, you know, after a rec basketball yeah, right game. Prom, no doubt. Yeah, hundred percent. Kenny Dillingham, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show, the head coach of ASU football. You obviously not coaching with Oregon during the bowl. It, it's you're throwing yourself into this completely. What kind of went behind that decision? Now, yeah, I think for me, it's you know, if I'm all in, I'm all in. I think when you're all in on something, you got to invest all your time into it. And uh, I'm really excited. I'm fired up. I think in today's day and age in college football, uh, you can't be half in, half out. You got to be all in. And uh, right when this opportunity opened up. I knew I was all in. You have been on the job now officially for about 10 days, give or take, week, week, week and a half, something along those lines, two weeks maybe. What's been the number one thing that has taken up most of your time so far since getting this job? Uh First Text thing, messages. <laughs> that is one. I don't go to sleep without responding to about 100. I'm trying to respond to them all. I'm still 400 short. And uh, But for me, it was meeting with players. You know, the when I first got the job, Monday through Thursday, all I did all day was 15-minute meetings with our current players. That's it. And I got to know them. Because at the end of the day, you know, you got to get to know your players. Because our job as coaches is to help players achieve their dreams. That's really what our job is. And if we help players achieve their dreams, 
by default, we're going to achieve ours as coaches. And uh, for me, you know, my career is a testament to my players, so I want to pour it back into the guys. And that was what really took up most of my time. Then hiring a staff was the next thing. And then recruiting was the next thing. And recruiting is tough because we're behind. We all know it. So it was evaluating players. One of the worst things, in my opinion, guys do is they get in and they try to impress the fans by how many people you can sign on signing day in year one, right? Well, if you look back at programs, usually those are the kids you miss on, right? Our goal is to be right. I don't care if it's three kids. I don't care if it's 25 kids. Our goal is to watch the film, build a relationship, learn the kids, and be right. Kenny Dillingham, coach of Arizona State University, our guest in studio. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be with us for another half hour or so, and we'll keep talking with him about the state of Sun Devil football. I do want to remind you that the Rock and Roll Hall of Famers Red Hot Chili Peppers headed to State Farm Stadium May 14th with the Strokes. Tickets go on sale Friday at 10 a.m. You can win a pair of tickets now by heading to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com. When we come back, players and how to get them, recruiting, transfer portals, NILs, all that fun stuff. We're going to talk with Coach Dillingham about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter Poll, presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, we have Eric with today's Twitter Poll question of the day. We've got Kenny Dillingham, head coach of ASU football, joining us in studio for the rest of this hour. So we tailor-made our Twitter poll question. How many years will it take, Kenny, to get ASU to the Rose Bowl? No. One, two, three. Oh, sorry. No. All right. That wasn't the question? No. no. All right. I, I thought it was. No. So that was the question. Well, that's what you get for missing staff meetings, Gambo. <laughs> um, what is our poll question, Eric? What do you well, have Well, guys, us? it's not only a new era at ASU. It's a new era in college football, period. So the question today is, has the transfer portal become the main way to build a successful college football program yes or no no but no. it's became it's become the main way for teams to catch up to like Alabama two transfer portal quarterbacks beat Alabama this year two kids that were in the transfer portal beat Alabama so if you're you, you can catch up but it's not the way to build a program do you want to let the coach answer the question? Oh, it was his question? <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was my question. All right, go ahead. You're, you're, you're up. I mean, I agree. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I, I couldn't agree more. I think uh, it has to be able to add to your roster, but I think you have to build and you still have to develop young men and develop a culture if you want to sustain success in college football. What's our audience say on this one? This I one would might agree. be a little bit of a separation between perception and reality because 71.9% are saying Yes. Only 28.1% The transfer portal is the main way? It's, it's transfer portal or bust. 71.9%, 28.1% saying no. All right, that's a poll question you can find on the Burns and Gamble Twitter page. When you hear results like that, it's just a Twitter poll question. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like it's the end-all, be-all. But you've been on the job now a couple of weeks. The transfer portal has obviously become a significant talking point, both in terms of departures and additions. Is the focus being a little misplaced when it comes to the transfer, transfer portal and how to acquire players? I don't know if misplaced is the word. I think every situation in college football is different. So I think every roster is different. So, you know, our roster, we only have five freshmen on the roster. So are we going to have to get some young kids from the transfer portal in order to fill the back end of the roster? Yes. Otherwise, in three years from now, we're going to have no sophomores or no senior class on the roster because we don't have that 
roster balance right now. So I think everybody in every school is different with how they use the transfer portal. I think every coach would tell you if they can build a roster, maintain a roster, right, they wouldn't use it. But in today's day and age in football, that's unrealistic. So I think your culture is going to de- determine how much you have to use the portal. If your culture over a three-year span keeps kids at home, keeps kids in your program, develops kids, you're going to lose less kids and you'll go to the portal less. If your culture is a little more toxic, a little more chaotic, you'll lose more kids, you have to go to the portal more. So I just think it best off the culture. I got 57% of high school kids are entering the portal. Over half of the kids that sign end up entering the portal at some point. Some kids are going two, three, four schools over the course of their their time. NIL money becomes a factor. How much is is that uh, a focus of your attention to build up the NIL uh, and work with that so that you guys can make competitive offers to some of these kids. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to do whatever I can to help this Valley get behind the program. I mean, I think that is essential to college football nowadays is our players understanding that I'm going to have their back, that I'm going to support them, that I'm going to do whatever I can from that standpoint. Uh, so I, I definitely believe in that. I definitely believe in me helping our guys and help and helping those collectives. 650, 700 kids. I'm, I'm shocked at how many kids are in the pool. Is that that many Scott? Scholarships available. <laughs> that, that that is that is the weakness of the portal is you know not the portal doesn't help everybody and I think it's it's sad because there's a lot of kids who go to the portal and it hurts them and I think the portal's great because I think the portal hurts people it hurts and it it protects players that were lied to in the recruiting process to get you to a school so I think the portal is great because it holds coaches accountable to tell kids the truth but where it hurts is when kids get frustrated and leave for not good reasons and find themselves stuck without a home. And I think we have to find a way to help those kids that make one poor decision in their life and now have a, you know, they're out of a scholarship. We got to find a way to protect those kids because they're still 18 to 22 year old kids. How much of your time have you allocated to trying to keep kids from leaving? I I heard a comment from you about that on our morning show, Bickley and Murata. You've addressed it a couple of times. How, how much time do you spend convincing guys to stay or if a guy doesn't want to stay you don't worry about them how how do you approach that I mean I walk into that building and I literally am living the dream the people the coaches I'm bringing into this building walk into that wanting to build this place. They're fired up. I want kids to walk into this building that are proud to walk into the building, that are excited to walk into the building, that have a passion about walking into the building. Right? So I told all the guys, do you want to be here? I asked him the question, do you want to be here? And if a kid wanted something, I told him the truth. I'm not going to guarantee you anything, right? Now, are there some kids who are confused? Yes. And I try to help those kids, you know, clean up the confusion in this transfer portal world. So, yes, I don't know how much time, but I'm never going to convince a kid, trick a kid or try to manipulate a kid into staying. I want them to do what's best for them. If a kid's lost and confused in this process and he's going back and forth, I'm going to spend my time trying to help him 1000 percent. You got 10 kids that are in the portal right now that, that are planning to leave ASU. I heard Deion Sanders, the new coach of Colorado, talk about he wants some some kids to go to the portal. The cupboards, the cupboards are pretty bare here. The recruiting has not been good the last couple of years. Uh, when you look at roster turnover, how important is it to have some turnover, to have some of these kids actually leave to open up spots for kids that more fit into what your philosophy is? Yeah, I think the key is you want guys, if guys don't want to be here, 
You don't want him here. Culture wins. Through all this, there's a reason why some teams sustain success. It's because they've built up their culture. I believe until until uh, Georgia and Kirby Smart, I think he was the first head coach to win a national title after taking over a program in some time, and it took him seven years to do it. So basically what I'm saying is you're not going to hire a new coach and win overnight. The people who are patient, the people who build the culture, eventually you win, right? But it takes time. What's the key to the culture? The key because, to the, the Sun, because the Suns did the same thing here with James Jones. Incredible. They were winning 20 basketball games a year. James Jones becomes a gym. Change the culture to make it to where guys wanted to be here, to where people are happy here. What do you? What, what's the key, in your opinion, to building the culture at ASU? One being upfront, honest, and genuine. I think people read through, read through, for lack of my term, some BS. I think kids get told what they want to hear all the time, and people make an excuse. Kids are different nowadays. Kids aren't different nowadays. People treat them different. What people want to be told is the truth. So how do you change the culture? Brutal honesty. Tell people the truth, right? And then one, you have to live your culture. You can't say my culture is A and you be personality B. So in order to change the culture, you have to be the culture, right? So if we have to say we're going to have more fun than anybody in the country, but we're going to be more disciplined. We're going to show up five minutes early. We're going to touch the line. We're going to finish through the line, right? We're going to be held accountable. We actually have to hold them accountable. So I told people in the meetings, we're going to have more fun than any team in college football. But if you do things wrong, you're probably not going to like me because I am going to hold you accountable and I don't care that your bike tire went flat. You were late, you're late. It's cut and dry. Nobody cares in the real world why you're late. So I think how you create the culture is consistency and being genuine. That's how you create a culture. You mentioned recruiting, being behind, not wanting to make a mistake on a kid because you're behind. You're trying to rush to catch up. So along those lines, how you, you do have a lot of catch up work to do. Again, allocating time, time and resources going towards recruiting right now. How is that going in the first couple of weeks you've been on the job? It's going great. I mean, our staff has been up there all night watching tape. I mean, literally till 12 o'clock at night, we've been up there watching all the kids in high school that aren't signed. That maybe that are committed places, right? Watching all the kids that have hopped into the portal at position of needs. We find out if they're good enough as a player, and then we're going, okay, now let's do character evals. Let's see which kids fit our program. And when you're talking the numbers you talked about, uh, you know, thousands of kids, thousands of kids, right, through a staff change, not including the high school kids, on top of that, you're talking tireless hours of evaling kids to find the right ones. Sean Aguano uh, was actually my wife's high school teacher in her government class so I got it and she was like the um, one of the managers for the football team at Chandler High you kept Sean Aguano on the staff um, he's one of those heart and soul guys loves Arizona State loves his program uh, he's the only coach that you kept on the staff tell me why yeah I mean he's just a phenomenal human I mean good person number one he's a great person and that matters now that still matters being a good person matters like people lose sight of it it matters because people play hard for people that know they have their back that's a guy who players know has their back on top of that he's won championships in the valley he's connected in the valley he's a phenomenal football coach he can help he can help but the number one thing is He's an incredible human being that if I was, when my son grows up, I could drop him off and play for Sean Aguano, and I would sleep every night knowing this guy has my son's back. What's his role with the team? He's going to be our running backs coach, right? But he is extremely involved in all assets. 
When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, one more segment with Kenny Dillingham, head coach of ASU football here in studio, the program itself, and the timetable to make this a successful program. We'll talk about that coming up here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Kenny Dillingham, head coach at ASU Football, our guest in studio. And we want to thank uh, Jeremy and everybody over at Arizona State University for bringing the coach down and letting us have access to him. Gambo was the one who arranged this about a week ago, so it's great to have uh, the coach in studio with us to talk ASU football. And, and something you said in the last segment really kind of stood out to me, and that's the patience that is now required when you take a job like this and the time that it takes to turn this into what you want it to be. I mean, I, I, I do think there seems to be an understanding among the fan base that this is going to be a bit of a slow build, and it's going to take a while, especially with the potential sanctions kind of looming over you from the NCAA. How much patience is required if you're an ASU fan with where you're taking this thing over right now? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if there's a time frame. It's more how quickly can we build the culture, and how quickly we can build the culture is how quickly can our staff be consistent enough to change the culture, how quickly were our players buy into the culture. So I think every single job is different. Every single situation is different. Uh, so I don't want to necessarily give a time frame for it. I mean, I, I want to win this year. I mean, crap. I want to go out there and put out put out a team that wins this year. But at the same token, we're not going to sacrifice winning for the future. We're going to put a, pro, a product on the field that we're going to build to make this place sustainable. And I think that's the difference for me wanting to be here for the next 35 years is decisions we're going to make in this program is going to be yes to win this year, but more importantly, sustainable through an, a period of time. All right, before I get to my next main question, let me just get your take on UCA, USC and UCLA leaving the conference and where you see the conference going forward, losing two powerhouse programs. Yeah, I mean, for me... With the, with the changing of the college football landscape, it's going to change every year. We're going to have different stories on teams and what's changing in conferences every single year, right? All we can focus on is us, but the big thing is the, the change with the, with the, how many teams get invited to play for the national championship tournament now. So the, the, expanding of the college football playoff right opens the doors for anybody to reach it. It doesn't matter if you're in a non-Power 5 school. It doesn't matter if you're in the Sun Belt, if you're in the SEC, if you're in the Pac-12, the Pac-10, whatever it is. So for me, right, the college football landscape is changing. I don't get caught up in how it's changing. I get caught up as how can we as a program continue to sustain a consistency of being one of those top 25 programs, top 30 programs, and then how can we change ourselves from one of those consistent top 30 programs to become a top 20, then a top 18, then a top 14. Okay. Now, here, here's, where, here's where I really want to pick your brain here. Because for as long as I've been here, ASU has been very consistent. Consistently average. That's what they've been. And I've been waiting and waiting for ASU to make that jump, to be that program that could win 10 games, 9 games, be a top 3 program in a conference every year, and not win 7 games and go to the damn bowl game in Hawaii. Because I've been there. 
with Griffin Goodman and all the guys. Like, I've been there. I've been to those bowl games. So I've been waiting for this. Even with the investigation, I said, don't worry. It'll take no time for ASU to get back to what they always have been, which is a mediocre program. ASU's going to win seven games. They're going to get the, the last bowl game in the conference. Every once in a while, they'll, they'll win ten bowl games and go to a better uh, – ten games and go to a better bowl game. How do you take uh, – since I've been here, 97, how do you take all that mediocrity – and take it to another level that ASU has never been at. Well, I think the city has been growing at such a rapid rate that the kids in this state, right, there's now 45 kids that go play Division One football in this state. That's something that's changed over time here. If we can keep the core of the players home, if we can keep the players in this state to say, hey, I'm going to be the change, I'm going to be the change. Not, oh, well, it hasn't changed yet, so I, I, if, they, if this player came here, I would come here. Or if this player came here, I would come here. No, I'm going to be the player that decides to come here that's the five-star, the high four-star, the elite player. I'm going to be the change. But that kid right now has other options. He 100%. could go to Ohio State. He could go to Notre Dame. He could go to Florida State. He could go to programs that he knows they're going to be good. And he knows they're going to play in big ball games. How do you get that kid to say, you know what, I'm going to take a chance on you? Because it's not a chance. And what I say like that is it's not a chance because if a kid like that or if a group of kids like that chose to stay at home, they'd be legends forever. And when you talk about college football, to be ready for the rest of your life, imagine a group of kids, the elite players, choose to stay home as a group to change Arizona State football forever in the valley in which they retire and start their own business. The investment that they would make by coming here is going to wreak millions of dollars for them in the future. So it's a group, not a player. It could be a player. It could be a group of people. It takes one person to create a group. One person starts it. One person will follow. One person will follow. Do you know who that person is right now? There's do you, have, some, your, do there, you have your eye on one? I have my eye on one. I can't say who it is, but he knows who he is. He knows who he is. I can't comment on it. Is they he a know junior? They are. Is he a senior? Is he a sophomore? I, Just tell me the grade. You're I can't, a I, player. I can't comment on it. But there's a there's some there's a a couple kids that could literally change the trajectory of their life, their life, by saying, "I was the one who started this." Are you talking with them now? Uh, of course, I'm talking with them now. Do you, do you feel good about any of them? I mean, I I feel like we're thinking. I feel like there's a group of kids in this valley who are thinking, "Why not? Why, Why not? not be the next Todd Heap, Terrell Suggs? Why not? Yeah. Because when those people, if those people make a decision to do this, they're going to be remembered for the rest of their life. And when they start a business, when they open a restaurant, when they open a car company, when they retire, right, people are going to go buy their product and they would have been making a 50-year decision, not what's going to be the coolest logo right now that's popular. It's going to be a decision that their parents should help them make because they understand it's a decision that's going to help them the rest of their life. One of the first things you did when you got here was to do the Zoom call with all the local high school coaches. What, In terms of the community, what have you felt to be the impact of your hire when it comes to the high school coaches and the level of influence they have over the kids when it comes to making a decision like that? Yeah, I think it's been great because they know they can trust us. They know regardless of where we were prior in our career, 
we always put the state ahead of the recruiting process. And I firmly believe in that. If there was a, a position coach who I didn't trust in recruiting, if I was at a school and I didn't trust the blank coach, just let's just say the outside linebacker coach, and there was a kid in this state that I was supposed to go recruit to play outside linebacker, I wouldn't recruit him there. Because it's, I'm not going to waste my name in this state, my integrity in this state, to just sell a kid in recruiting. So I only recruited kids from this state that I believed in the product I was selling, the coach that I was selling. So the coaches I've hired, people trust. They know if we say something, it's the truth, because we've had this state's back when we're elsewhere. Now that we're home, we need a little people that have ours. You may have changed my uh, my thought. on. I've always said, for, for as long as I've been here doing this show, that I cannot wait for the day that an ASU football or basketball coach gets hired away by another program. Because it never happens. They all get fired. They don't get hired. Nobody nobody gets offered the job at Ohio State or Notre Dame or, you know, any of the big name programs. Guys lose their jobs. I've always been because I, I think that would lead to success. That would be that would mean that guy's successful. Kenny wins a whole bunch of games. He takes them to this, this bowl game and that bowl game and they're in the playoffs one year and somebody hires you away and pays you a gazillion dollars. But you keep saying that this is this is your dream job. You don't want to go any anywhere else. No, it's my dream job. So oh, you my- cannot picture yourself even with success leaving ASU at any point. I cannot right now picture myself with success leaving Arizona State. It's interesting because I, you know, I would always think that if if somebody had that success, then somebody would want that coach, and I want that. I want somebody to want ASU's coaches because that would mean winning. That would mean the programs are winning and having success. You see where I'm going? I agree a hundred percent, and I hope I get called every other year for a job, and I can tell all these recruits, "Look, I'm making the same decision you have to make right now, and I'm choosing to stay. Why not you?" Simple as that. So you're no matter what, you're staying. This is home. I like that answer. That was good. That was really good. We're all kind of nodding our head like, ooh, yeah, I like that. That was good. That this was is good. good. What more do we got? That was good. <laughs> you want to just stay the whole show? You yeah, let's just keep rolling, man. <laughs> I think, well, what about, so who's on vacation next week? I think I'm off Friday and he's off the following week. Exactly. You want to come in and Kenny host Gillingham the show? Co-hosting the show with us What here. was your favorite local team growing up here besides ASU? Oh, the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to brag. My family is three-time tailgaters of the year. Oh, wow. The Arizona Cardinal oh, game. I, I, I don't want to Brad, but the birdcage was the best tailgate, you know, at the, on the green lawn for many years. Okay. All right. <laughs> the smoked brisket was outstanding was in the birdcage. Outstanding. <laughs> Coach, it was a real pleasure making your acquaintance. It was a real pleasure having you come down here. Thank you for giving up a big chunk of your Wednesday afternoon to do it. We wish you the best of luck. I know we'll talk to you again very sometime in the near future. Thank you very much for the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it for y'all to having me. Thanks. Thanks, Special. Coach. Thank you. Kenny Dillingham joining us in studio here on the Burns and Gambo show. When we come back, we've got a huge matchup in the NBA tonight. The best in the West, the best in the East. We'll look at the biggest keys to Suns Celtics next on the Burns and Gambo show.